I am Saeed Mahmoudi, Professor of International Law Emeritus at Stockholm University in Sweden. Another important development regarding the use of force in self-defense against non-state actors, non-state actors armed attacks from the territory of another state, uh, was um, adoption of a number of documents, in fact, uh, to elaborate the legal situation. And uh, it was because of the need that was felt uh, after 9-11 to discuss and to establish the status of law as regards non-state actors. Uh, most of these uh, documents uh, and efforts uh, initiated by private uh, initiate, uh, initiators, uh, but of course there is uh, also one document which I like to start with, which is uh, uh, an agreement, international agreement of importance. Uh, this is uh, an agreement, a pact, the African Union Non-Aggression and Common Defense Pact. Definition of aggression uh, in this pact, which is of direct relevance to the topic of my talk. Uh, this pact was adopted in 2005. Uh, when it comes to definition of aggression in this pact, uh, I must say that Article 1 of the Pact uh, reflects and contains uh, the same definition of aggression that you find in the definition of aggression of General Assembly in 1974 and uh, also the one which was reiterated 2010. Uh, so it's not controversial, it's just a repetition of um, what was already accepted internationally. But there is one paragraph in this definition uh, which may give rise to some reflections, and that's paragraph 11. In this paragraph 11, um, um, the parties of this pact tries to define the grounds of attribution uh, of uh, non-state actors on attacks uh, to a state. And these grounds are the following. I quote, encouragement, support, harboring, or provision of any assistance for the commission of terrorist acts and other violent transnational organized crimes against the member state. End of quote. <clears throat> this definition, as you note, uh, encompasses almost any involvement of a state in the use of force by a non-state actor, particularly reference to harboring doctrine and provision of any assistance reminds us of the argument uh, that uh, we could see and, and hear from uh, countries which invoked 
unwilling or unable standard. And the reason why I uh, stay on this and I make a pause is that this is a pact from the African countries, from the African continent. Uh, that means that uh, it can uh, reflect really the uh, position of developing countries or many developing countries. Uh, so, uh, it was a sort of surprise. Of course, uh, the pact was uh, negotiated long in advance. Uh, it was not uh, the same months that they negotiated it. But anyway, uh, it certainly reflects, the pact reflects uh, the post-9-11 developments. Uh, and I must also mention that, to the best of my knowledge, there is no protest or critical comments on this pact uh, and this provision yet. At least I haven't seen it. So uh, we have to accept that, uh, at least in this important legal document, uh, this position is taken. Another uh, important document, uh, which is not a pact, which is private, uh, a private uh, gathering of people who have um, um, adopted it is the so-called the Chatham House principles of international law on the use of force in self-defense. This document was adopted uh, 2006 and it was negotiated or discussed. It was discussed and adopted by a number of prominent uh, international lawyers from the United Kingdom. Uh, and uh, an educated guess is that uh, this was instigated uh, mainly by the rulings of ICJ in the wall opinion and armed activities as a sort of response to what the court had said in those uh, two occasions. Principle F in this document is uh, interesting and important. I quote, uh, Article 51 is not confined to self-defense in response to attacks by states. The right of self-defense applies also to attacks by non-state actors. And it continues, where a state is unable or unwilling to assert control over a terrorist organization located in its territory the state which is a victim of the terrorist attack would, as a last resort, be permitted to act in self-defense against a terrorist organization in the state in which it is located." End of quote. Quite uh, the opposite of what the International Court of Justice had said. Paragraph 42 of the same document uh, says the following. Uh, it's about the requirement of necessity. The requirement of necessity must first be assessed in the light of the locations of the state from the territory of which the terrorist acts emanate. Where a state is itself supporting or encouraging the actions of terrorists on its territory, it may well be unwilling to avert 
or repel the attack. An action in self-defense may be necessary. Self-defense may also be necessary if the armed attack cannot be repelled or averted by the territorial state. End of quote. So, in very clear words, uh, the Chatham House uh, principles make it uh, known um, how unwilling and unable as a new standard can be invoked for use of force in self-defense and under what conditions. Another interesting and important document, uh, which was a joint, uh, I must say, initiative of academics and members of the parliament in the Netherlands, uh, is called Leiden Policy, Leiden Policy Recommendations on Counterterrorism and International Law. The work on this document started already 2006, but the document was published in 2010. Paragraph 38 in this document reads as follows, I quote, It is now well accepted that attacks by non-state actors, even when not acting on behalf of a state, can trigger a state's right of individual and collective self-defense. End of quote. Again, in another paragraph of the same document, paragraph 32, we read the following. Quote, It should be emphasized that states considering the use of force against terrorists must take due account of the exceptional nature of military action on foreign territory. The territorial state's consent to military action is required, except when the territorial state is unable or unwilling itself to deal with the territorial attacks." End of quote. So, in both these documents that I mentioned now, uh, of course, uh, they pay attention to the fact that use of force in the territory of another state, even if it's not against that state and it is directed against a non-state actor, still it violates the territory of the other state. So they try to emphasize the need for consent of that foreign state in the first place, if possible. Another uh, document which got a lot of publicity uh, was published in 2012. It's indeed the work of one uh, international lawyer, but very important document, I must say. Uh, the, it's called the Bethlehem Principles, 2012. The author is Daniel Bethlehem. Principle 10 of this document emphasizes the primacy of the requirement of consent. That should be the point of departure. Principle 11 uh, reads as follows. The requirement for consent does not operate in circumstances in which there is a reasonable and objective basis for concluding that 
the third state is colluding with the non-state actor or is otherwise unwilling to effectively restrain the armed activities of the non-state actor, such as to leave the state that has a necessity to act in self-defense with no other reasonably available effective means to address an imminent or actual armed attack. End of quote. Bethlehem Principles, as I mentioned, uh, has received a, lo a lot of support, particularly among Western countries' international lawyers. Finally, I must also mention one more document, uh, which was published in 2016, uh, purely on private initiative. Uh, it's a document signed by over 240 international lawyers from all over the world, most countries of the world. It is called International Lawyers' Plea. In this uh, document, we read the following. The mere fact that, despite its efforts, a state is unable to put an end to terrorist activities on its territory is insufficient to justify bombing that state's territory without its consent. End of quote. In another part of the same document, uh, we read the following. The international legal order may not be reduced to an interventionist logic similar to that prevailing before the adoption of the United Nations Charter. Uh, this is also an argument that we hear uh, frequently, that uh, we should not go back to the situation before 1945 as regards use of force, that everybody could use force as they wished. Uh, so this is uh, the message of this plea. Now, having uh, mentioned briefly about these documents, uh, let me also say a few words about state practice um, after 9-11 with respect to use of force against non-state actors armed attacks. We have had several cases of state practice. Uh, uh, one of the first one was Russia use of force against uh, Chechen rebels in Georgia. Um, Chechen rebels were uh, in war with uh, internal or domestic war, uh, civil war with Russian troops, and they were acting from inside Georgia. So in 2002, Russia wrote a letter to the Security Council in September 2002 uh, to justify its use of force against these uh, uh, groups, Chechen rebel groups, uh, on the same basis as uh, United States had used force against Al-Qaeda the year before. Uh, however, uh, uh, Russia, Russia's claim of self-defense in this case was, did not receive approval from international community. Uh, 
and it was also criticized uh, by some countries, including United States, um, which uh, meant that um, inability of Georgia, which was claimed by Russia, did not uh, really uh, was not really true, and uh, United States rejected the ar argument and condemned indiscriminate bombing of Georgian territory. Uh, other examples of uh, state practice uh, that we all are familiar with is uh, Israel use of force against uh, Islamic Jihad in Syria, 2003. Islamic use, uh, Israel's use of force against uh, Hezbollah in 2006, the war, the second Lebanon war. Turkey's use of force against PKK uh, uh, group. Kurdish group in Iraq, uh, and Colombia's use of force against FARC, the opposition group, which was located in Ecuador and lodged or waged its at, uh, attacks from the territory of Ecuador against Colombia in 2008, particularly. All these cases were uh, discussed uh, intensively in the uh, doctrine of international law and the legality of the claim of self-defense um, has been subject of discussion. But the most important state practice after 9-11 is the case of the Islamic State in Syria and Iraq and the war against the Islam, so-called Islamic State uh, in these two countries, in the areas in these two countries which were conquered by uh, the Islamic State, a non-state actor, uh, terrorist group acting from these two areas against other countries. Uh, State practice as regards the fight against the Islamic State uh, should be, um, I would like to limit it to 2014 to 2019. Uh, the reason is that uh, it started maybe a bit earlier. Um, in fact, uh, the operations of terrorist operations of the Islamic State, but it was first in June 2014 that uh, uh, Islamic State uh, proclaimed world caliphate in uh, its own territory or the territory that was under its control in Iraq and Syria. Less than three months after this proclamation, the government of Iraq wrote a letter to the Security Council and informed the Security Council of Iraq's express consent to the United States to use force against ISIS or the Islamic State. Uh, United States also wrote a letter to the Security Council immediately after Iraq informing the Security Council in September 2014 and in that letter, the United States uh, mentioned the following, I quote, States must be able to defend themselves in accordance with the inherent right of individual and collective self-defense. 
as reflected in Article 51 of the Charter of the United Nations. When, as is the case here, the government of the state where the threat is located, and they meant Syria, is unwilling or unable to prevent the use of force, sorry, the use of its territory for such attacks, end of quote. So, uh, in fact, United States expressly here refers to the concept of unwilling or honest, unable states, it means that Syria is not able to fight against ISIS. ISIS has occupied part of Syria and is attacking other countries from that part. That's why Iraq as a state has the right, according to Article 51, to defend itself both individually and collectively with help of other states. The letter asserted that self-defense against terrorist attacks could be exercised in the territory of another state without that state's involvement in the attack and without that state's consent. The reason was, of course, that Syria had not given any consent to the United States or to the coalition to use force in Syria. Uh, and uh, itself ad could admittedly not use uh, force against uh, Islam the Islamic State, could not defend itself. The coalition under the U.S. Uh, leadership consisted of 12 Western countries and six regional powers. And the fight continued until 2019, when ISIS was defeated completely. Turkey also wrote a letter to the Security Council in July 2015. And in its letter, Turkey mentioned the following. It is it is apparent that the regime in Syria is neither capable of nor willing to prevent these threats emanating from its territory, which clearly imperil the security of Turkey and the safety of its nationals. Individual and collective self-defense is our inherent right under international law as reflected in Article 51 of the Charter of the United Nations." End of quote. Turkey, of course, was referring to the Kurdish groups in Syria. Uh, they were fighting against Kurd in Syria. Even Australia, which was a member of the coalition, wrote a letter to the Security Council in September 2015 and mentioned the following. States must be able to act in self-defense when the government of the state where the threat is located is unwilling or unable to prevent attacks originating from its territory. Again, an express reference to unwilling or unable standard. So there were supports, uh, there were a number of support, supportive statements uh, for unwilling or unable in letters to the Security Council. Uh, 
but there were also criticism and protests. I can mention, uh, among others, uh, Argentina, of course. Uh, I say, of course, because um, there were several other Latin American uh, countries as well. Uh, generally, Latin American countries have been and are against expansion of the right of self-defense in Article 51. So Argentina, Ecuador, uh, Russia, Venezuela are examples of those countries who protested or criticized coalition's military activities as self-defense. Uh, you may remember on 13th of November 2015, the horrible terrorist attacks in Paris happened. And the uh, Security Council reacted to that, though, uh, that attack one week later by, the, by adoption of Resolution 2249. Uh, in that resolution, we read the following. Uh, that Security Council calls upon the mem all member states to take all necessary measures in compliance with international law, in particular with the United Nations Charter, on the territory under the control of ISIL, to redouble and coordinate their efforts to prevent and suppress terrorist attacks. So, uh, the resolution emphasizes on the rules of international law and particularly the Charter as regards use of force. This resolution was not adopted under Chapter 7, unlike previous resolutions. It had no reference to self-defense, neither any reference to unwilling or unable standard. It did not contain any authorization of use of force either. Use of force in the territory of a non-consenting uh, state, such as Syria. So there were a lot of differences where, between these resolution and resolutions after 9-11. And of course, there were a number of interpretations of this uh, resolution 2249. Uh, the commentators with an expansive approach to issues of use of force argued that uh, it is difficult to read the resolution otherwise than as an endorsement of the use of force in self-defense against attacks by a non-state actor. This is a quotation from a, a renowned international lawyer. Those with restrictive approach to international law refer to the requirement of in compliance with international law, in particular with the Charter of the United Nations, and meant that nothing has changed still we have to interpret Article 51 restrictively. One interesting and important letter among many letters to the Security Council was the letter of Germany to the Security Council in December 2015. Germany participated in the coalition uh, in Syria, 
I quote what they wrote in their letter, Germany. ISIL has occupied a certain part of Syrian territory over which the government of the Syrian Arab Republic does not at this time exercise effective control. States that have been subjected to armed attacks by ISIL originating in this part of Syrian territory are therefore justified under Article 51 to take necessary measures of self-defense, even without the consent of the government of the Syrian Arab Republic. So it was, in fact, a new theory uh, that Germany was introducing in the sense that uh, uh, this part of Syria, which is not under Syrian control, um, is uh, exempted, so to say, from the sovereignty of, uh, of Syria. And if there are any attacks emanated there from, uh, then um, the victim state has the right to self-defense. This position of the German government was confirmed in September 2019 uh, in an order by the German Constitutional Court, where the court observed that, I quote, a state on whose territory the non-state armed attackers have established a consolidated territorial basis at best exercises limited sovereignty with respect to that space. So the court elaborated what Germany had only claimed earlier. In reaching this conclusion, uh, I believe the court, while admitting the ICJ's restrictive approach to the right of self-defense, against non-state actors armed attacks in the Nicaragua case and in the wall advisory opinion, noted that the ICJ had not committed to this uh, stand in the armed activities case. In other words, uh, the German court made a distinction between what ICJ had said in wall opinion and in Nicaragua case uh, from what the court has said in armed activities case. The German court's view disregards the violation of another state's sovereignty. Introduction of the concept of consolidated territorial basis presupposes the possibility under international law for other states to assess the power of a specific state to continuously exercise sovereignty over its territory. Such assessments are alien to the very nature of the concept of sovereignty, which is permanent and independent of how a recognized state exercises it at a given time. I would also like to say a few words about the position of other states in this case. Belgium, for example, also wrote a letter to the Security Council with a position which was very similar to the German position. Uh, several uh, Western countries uh, opining or giving their opinions about uh, 
this case avoided referring to the unwilling or unable uh, standard, uh, but they referred specifically to uh, Resolution 2249. Uh, those states that wanted to participate in military activities against the Islamic State, but they didn't want expressly to uh, refer to unwilling or unable state, uh, mentioned the resolution instead. And uh, finally, when speaking about the uh, practice of states in this respect, I have to mention non-alignment movement, the position of non-alignment movement. Uh, the non-alignment movement consists of uh, some 120 uh, mostly developing countries or developing countries. They had a meeting uh, in 2016, and uh, they, in the final act of that meeting, they reiterated that Article 51 is restrictive and should not be rewritten or reinterpreted. Uh, position particularly of Latin American countries, as I mentioned earlier, shows a resistance against any change in the scope of the right to self-defense because of the fight against terrorism and international terrorism. Now let me uh, also focus a little bit on uh, justifications that uh, have been given for unwilling or unable standard. Why is it necessary? Why is it applicable? How is it standard? What type of justifications are there or have been given in order to make it accepted internationally? First, I think we have to uh, focus on some basic uh, uh, facts or assumptions. Recognition of the Islamic State in Syria as an independent author of armed attacks and thereby direct target of self-defense is one such observation. In fact, what states did or said in their letters means that they have accepted the Islamic State as an autonomous actor, an actor in international law that can be subjected to use of force in self-defense. A terrorist group which uh, previously uh, was fought against by, by police uh, measures, so to say. Now uh, it has been elevated to the level of an actor in international law. Second, defensive use of force took place on the territory of Syria, not itself implicated in the attacks. Syria was never charged with uh, the attacks of ISIS against other countries. Everybody knew that uh, the Islamic State acted independently and itself. Attack could not be attributed to Syria according to the ILC draft articles either. So it was not a question of attributability in one way or another. Unwilling or unable uh, was treated as a new ground 
for attribution and a justification of self-defense by those countries which refer to it. Uh, holding the host state, that is Syria, responsible for failing to prevent or suppress non-state acts, attacks, also was something uh, new in this case. Without any attribution, without any uh, being implicated in the attacks. Unwillingness or inability uh, was treated as an independent basis for use of force in self-defense against the non-state actors. And irrespective of any level of involvement of the host state in the attack. Now, having these things in mind, uh, I must say that unwilling and unable standard uh, have been referred to as a ground for attribution uh, in a state-to-state -state relation. <clears throat> that means that we can find uh, examples of authors or states referring to unwilling and unable uh, as a ground for attribution of the acts to the state and thereby to elevate the level of conflict or use of force uh, to a state to a state and state relation. This is one use of you, uh, unwilling and unable. The second use is that unwilling and unable is used as justification of the use of force in the territory of another state, irrespective of the question of attribution. Some think that it's not even necessary to attribute to another state. Uh, use of force in self-defense is allowed without this attribution. I will go through these arguments one by one. First, those who believe in unwilling and honest, uh, uh, unwilling or unable standard as a justification uh, for attribution. Attribution can be according to, in the first place, uh, normally in international law, attribution is according to the uh, ILC draft articles. It's in, in these articles that we have a uh, very clear explanation and definition of grounds of attribution. The general rule uh, in these draft articles is that the only conduct attributed to the state at the international level is that of its organs of government or of others who have acted under the direction, instigation, or control of those organs. That means as agents of the state. In that case, you can attribute the act to that state. Articles 8, 9, and 11 in draft articles deal with this question, the question of attribution uh, in this sense. Article 8 is particularly relevant to uh, my lecture because uh, is the one that reflects the traditional standard for attributing armed activities of non-state actors to a state as evidence in the practice of states and 
ICJ. According to Article 8 of draft articles, the conduct of a person or group of persons shall be considered an act of a state under international law if the person or group of persons is in fact acting on the instructions of or under the direction or control of that state in carrying out the conduct. According to ICJ, control must be effective, as I mentioned earlier. And the word effective uh, is interpreted restrictively. Even when a non-state actor activity is clearly attributable to a state, the injured state does not have an automatic right to self-defense. Such injury gives rise to state responsibility and a right to countermeasures short of use of force. If armed activity is of a certain gravity, it may turn into armed attack in the sense of Article 51 and trigger the right of self-defense. So the real purpose of unwilling or unable standard is to eliminate the need to fulfill the general requirements of attributability and normal conditions of armed attacks. It is argued by some that when control, effective control, or requirements of Article 8 are not sufficient to attribution or for attribution, the basis of attribution should be looked for outside Chapter 2 uh, of the draft articles. That means outside of this section or Articles 4 to 11, which deals expressly with the question of attribution of non-state actors. Among others, they refer to Article 55 in draft articles. Article 55 uh, deals with lex specialis. And under this uh, article, uh, some commentators means that uh, even the weakest link, for example, mere harboring, that a, a non-state actors exist or uh, is in the territory. Its existence there is enough in order to keep that state responsible and to use force against that actor, non-state actor. Uh, examples are the relation of Al-Qaeda to Taliban's 2001. Al-Qaeda existed in Afghanistan. Its relation was not under control of Taliban, could not be attributed, its act could not be attributed to Taliban, even under rough articles requirements. So this is, uh, some commentators means that Article 55, Lex Specialis, should uh, explain or justify. Even Hezbollah and Lebanon is another example. 
Another ground that uh, is invoked is substantial involvement. Uh, and substantial involvement uh, from the perspective of those who have a broad approach to use of force uh, means much more than what uh, definition of aggression says and much more than what uh, ICJ has uh, opined on this concept and what is covered by substantial involvement. Uh, the proponents of unwilling or unable standard with expansive approach to the use of law mean that any aid or assistance in the form of acts or omissions given by a state to a non-state actor that substantially contributes to the commission of an armed attack is included in the definition of substantial involvement. So they really expand the scope of substantial involvement. Uh, they use also the concept of state uh, complicity uh, this uh, for the same purpose a state complicity uh, in fact was used by ICJ uh, in a couple of cases uh, for example in the armed activist case um, uh, with the same connotation that means with the same broad aspect of including in essence anything in the concept in order to attribute uh, attacks of non-state actors to the host state. Those uh, commentators with restrictive approach uh, underline that attribution is a requirement for the exercise of self-defense. You must first attribute the act to the state. Those with expansive approach means that, well, Overall control is enough. State complicity meets the security needs of the victim state. So they open really for the possibility of use of force. Uh, another ground of uh, justification of use of force in self-defense that you read or hear in arguments uh, in the discussion about this subject is violation of due diligence obligation of due diligence as a ground of attribution. Unwilling or unable is based on the assumption that a territorial state harboring a non-state actor is responsible for that actor's attacks against other states even when the requirement of due diligence is fulfilled. In the armed activities case, uh, ICJ spoke of duty of vigilance, as I mentioned earlier, or obligation of due diligence, and emphasized that uh, this obligation is an obligation of conduct, not result. Claiming that a state has an obligation of result, as expansionists normally claim, uh, that a state has obligation of result to eliminate all terrorist threats on its territory in order to be protected against foreign interventions uh, 
could be a very riskful claim. It really opens for, for illogical um, definitions, illogical arguments, and open for uh, extensive use of force in cases which uh, are not uh, really well um, defined and well grounded. I thank you for this part, and I will continue in the next part. Thank you.